Hey, this is Karen, Coach's Corner Chats. This episode, it's Dakota Rock, who is currently the assistant coach at Rhodes College in Memphis, Tennessee. Another awesome episode as Dakota shares his soccer journey as a player and into coaching. It's so cool. Every time something maybe didn't work out the way he was hoping, he found a way to persevere, used his purpose to overcome adversity. Enjoy the episode. Hey, this is Karen, Coaches Corners Chats, and this episode I have Dakota Rock on with me. Dakota, give us a little background on what you're up to, where you're at, and all that good stuff. Yeah, thank you for having me on. I mean, when you gave the opportunity, I jumped on it. I think I was pretty quick to jump, but <laughs> like Karen said, Dakota, um, I'm down at Rhodes College right now at the in Memphis, Tennessee, um, NCAA Division Three. Originally from Columbus, Ohio, um, so I grew up in Columbus, Ohio. Went to St. Francis de Sales in Columbus. Um, ended up going to Guilford College um, to play, and then I kind of went from Guilford College to Liberty University for my master's degree. And while I was at Liberty, I started coaching at a school across town called Randolph College. They were in the same conference as Guilford, and then kind of went to Otterbein. And then last year, right before preseason, I got hired down here at uh, Rhodes College. So you sounds like you've been all over um, the East Coast. Yeah, I've become very familiar with the East Coast and all the states and everything along that those lines. So, yeah. So did you play soccer at uh, DeSales? I did. I played there from 2008 to 2000, 2010, my last, my senior season. Okay. And then did you go on to play at Guilford? Um, I ended up at Guilford, but I also, before I ended up at Guilford, I kind of skipped over this part just because it's a lot to talk about. But my freshman year, I went to Lake Erie College okay, up yeah. in Ohio. Mm -hmm. And then I, ended up after my freshman year, I ended up transferring I went to Washington and Jefferson, which is in uh, Washington, Pennsylvania, where I was actually born. And then my junior year and senior year, I ended up at Guilford College. Got it. Got it. So just a lot of kind of I've kind of experienced it all. I've kind of been all over the place. What what caused some of the the, the movement from throughout the, the college years? Uh, Lake Erie just kind of I was playing I got a lot of minutes my freshman year my freshman season and with the recruiting classes coming in uh, the coach was unsure where I really stood and I wasn't really like comfortable going into a spring season and then continuing without being like sure of what was going on or what would happen um, so I ended up leaving there Washington and Jefferson I actually had to leave due to some financial issues um, we hit a lot of financial hardship and with how expensive, uh, Washington Jefferson is, it just became too much for me and my family to take care of at that school. Uh, so I think it's kind of cool though, that the coach at Lake Erie was open enough to say, look, here's the situation. So you at least were able to make kind of a decision of, do I want to try to stick this out or do I want to move on? Yeah. And it, I mean, it wasn't an easy decision either. It was really tough. I mean, I loved playing for the coach that was there at the time and he was really good 
everything he was doing. Like he took over a team, a program that I think only had like one win the prior season. And we ended up going, I think 500 my freshman year, which is, I mean, the improvement was there and he knew exactly what he was doing. And I liked the vision that he was trying to take the team, but I just like, I guess it wasn't, I wasn't settled with just being like unsure. And I appreciated him for being that open with me because it's easy to say, as a coach, yeah, you're going to get playing time. Just like try to stick it out. But the fact that he was so open about just the fact that he didn't really know where I stood going into next year was really something that I admired and just something that came down to the decision that I made leaving the school I was at. Do you think that that experience is something that now that you're in the college ranks coaching wise, is that something that you think have, have you learned from that as something like I need to be open with my players that I work with as well? Yeah, definitely. I mean, my door, I coach on the women's side, so they don't kind of come to me with as much just because like I am a guy and they're not used to having guy coaches. I think when I was hired at Rhodes, one of the biggest questions was, well, how are you going to handle a women's team being a male? Because they had the classes that I had, had never had a male coach. So that was one of like the big questions. And I think it has definitely, even like anywhere I've went, I've always had like this open door policy, like anybody can come talk to me if you have questions. And one of the things that I always try to do is I'm going to be straightforward. Like I'm going to tell you what you might not want to hear, but I don't want to lead you on down a path that is going to lead to you not being happy. Right on, right on. I think it's cool that you get to share. This is what I love about this podcast is that, it's kind of cool to hear that you don't just because, you know, I'm kind of going with my oldest son is looking to play me, possibly playing college. And just like, if it's not the right fit, just knowing like, maybe it's not the situation. Can there be, and it's all right to move because it looks like you've landed on your feet and now you've got a great opportunity coaching at Rhodes. Um, what was the, what were some of the things that you learned and gathered like gained from at the previous stop? So the one that was near Liberty, um, what were some of the things that you experienced there coaching wise? So when I was at uh, Randolph college, it was kind of, that was like my first year. I coached like two years of youth uh, soccer, but Randolph was my first like um, collegiate job. And I actually like, I emailed the coach out of a whim and I was like, are you looking for like any volunteers to help out? And he was like, yeah, we're actually looking for help on the staff. So it was kind of cool. Like I kind of lucked out a little bit, but soon as I got to Randolph, it was like everything that a veteran coach would be doing, I was doing. So like within my first month, within my first two months, I was already going on recruiting trips by myself. I was going to tournaments by myself. I was getting trusted running practices. I was getting trusted coming up with game plans. So it was kind of cool. Like right off the bat, I've never coached collegiate. I coached U11 and U12 before <laughs> And all of a sudden I'm getting like trusted with these collegiate game plans and running collegiate practices. So like a lot of confidence was gained, And I like felt I grew a lot from that first year and kind of just, and I just kind of continued growing. I was on the men's side at Otterbein. I was like, I did two years at Randolph and I was like, I think I kind of want to coach the men's side a little bit. So I gave it a try. Um, and I, it ended up not working out just because my personality, I didn't feel 
like my personality clicked a lot. Um, but I am thankful that I did go to the men's side because the difference between the men's and the women's game is like huge. The way the games like run and everything like that. So I thought I learned a lot more that I wouldn't have learned at such a young age when I did go to that men's side. So I kind of took that, like the tactics wise and everything like that. The coach that I was under was very heavily tactic tactical. Everything he wanted to do was tactical. And I learned a lot from there and have really carried that into the women's game from Otterbein to Rhodes. So this is so cool. So you literally just said, just send an email like, hey, if you guys need some help, I'm willing to hop in. And then even better, they said, hop, come on in and then gave you all kinds of opportunities to get responsibility, doing recruiting and getting the full the full feel. That's so, that's awesome. Yeah. And it just like, it wasn't what I was expecting. So when like I first came in and like he started giving me all these, I was like, I was kind of taken aback because I was like, is he like playing jokes or something? Like what's yeah. going on? But like, because you don't, I don't think many coaches, he's, he was there for 15 years when I came in and ran it his way every like all the assistants are part-time so he doesn't have like a full-time assistant so everything was run how he would want it to be run and bringing me in giving me all that stuff giving me the freedom of that stuff it was kind of cool and it was kind of awesome to like gain that experience so young as a coach going forward yeah for sure I mean that's like that that hands-on experience is so invaluable. That's and and like you said, to have someone that, that experienced and kind of set in his ways, you're able to learn from that. And then you brought up the Otterbein thing, which I th- I love the fact that you said, "Look, I'm used to the female, like the girl side, and coaching that, but I I wonder what it's like on the other side, just to get that, like, see what the difference is." So you said tactics and like how you coach, like what are, what are what are some things that you found that maybe you can get away with, with the male side, but you can't possibly maybe do with the female side. What are some, what's, what are some of those differences that you kind of noticed? I think when it comes to, as least from what I've witnessed and what I've experienced at the division three level, a lot of the tactics when it comes to the women's side is normally the same. A lot of the teams run the same type of formation in the same type of way, but on the men's side, at least through that OAC, a lot of teams run different formations. And if it is the same formation, a lot of it's run differently. So having to watch film over and over again, trying to pick out the differences between the formations and everything, and even during game to- games, a lot of tactical changes happen very quickly that I've learned different in the men's side than on the women's side. So having to adjust mid-game and in-game is something that I had to learn how to do and kind of that has really helped here because a couple of times we've run into that situation. I've been able to pick it out really quickly, but again, that's just at the division three level. I don't know. I'm sure the division one level is the tactics are a lot more in depth on the women's side, but just from my experience, that's what I've kind of learned. So does that, after taking that away from the men's side, do you think that's something that now maybe with Rhodes you could, maybe bring to the table of like, Hey, maybe we do mix things up a little bit since there is so much kind of commonality. Maybe we'd be the one that 
changes how we play a certain style and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, definitely. And it's, we kind of run a similar formation than a lot of teams, but the way we play it is very different. So when we're watching film and that's one of the things like going into games, game weeks is I have all the film broke down. So I'm in charge of breaking down film on opponents and us at road. So being able to look at what the opponents are running, I can cater what we're doing to their formation and their system will play a little bit more and being trusted with that is outstanding again. It's just like everything where I've been, I've been so lucky to be trusted by every coach that I've had as a young assistant. I think the cool thing, and I've gotten this from other coaches I've talked to is you just have to kind of reach out. You have to put yourself in positions. Um, And I think the cool thing is that even at the college level, it wasn't like, Oh, well, you haven't done, like you said, I was only doing with the U and U11, U12 kids. It wasn't like, Oh, well, I need you to go do this, this, this. It was like, come on in. Um, Which I think is so cool. And so Rhodes is in Memphis, Tennessee. Yes. Um, And so division three. So I've heard that that seems to be kind of where you've been at. Is there, what's, what's uh, Dakota's future? Is there a, would I, would you love to be like a head coach, head coach at, division three are you looking to go higher what what kind of things or are you just kind of like dude I, i've been blessed so i'm gonna keep learning as much as i can at this point yeah so i'm just kind of i'm very happy with where i'm at at roads right now but at the same time it's like the more i go along the more i grow and the more confidence i gain and like okay i think i'm i feel like i'm ready for that next step i feel like i'm ready for the jump to possibly a division two score a division one score and that's kind of where I want to go eventually I'm coming up on my fifth year so I'm four and a half years into my college coaching career so the five-year plan is kind of almost at the end and kind of that next step I'm looking to take in the next couple years is possibly a division one job d1 assistant but at the same time I'm happy with grinding it out learning as much as I can and kind of waiting for that right opportunity to come so, because I, know, I mean, this job is very competitive. So I'm going up for one job. I'm going up against maybe like a hundred people. So, and it mostly comes down to who, you know, so I know that I'm not going to get every opportunity that I apply for, or I'm not going to get the phone call from a head coach at the division one level saying, Hey, Dakota, come coach with me. Like I'm going to have to work and grind to get to that point. Um, so how does how does one kind of get their their name out there? Is it is it kind of like in the summers? Do you go and do help out at camps at other universities and stuff? Or what are some of those ways that you can kind of build as a coach that's maybe in your same position that they can get kind of their notoriety out there? Uh, so I haven't I do camps a little bit. I was planning to do a lot more camps this past summer, but unfortunately, yeah. The world got turned upside down. (laughs) I didn't do a lot of camps. I did a couple and that's where I really like me. I talked to a lot of coaches, but then also on the recruiting trail as well. Excuse me. When you're, when I'm sitting at tournaments in the corner with all kinds of coaches. And I think one thing that 
is really cool is the ECNL tournaments because I go to the ECNL tournaments and I'm sitting next to the Memphis head coach who they're top 10 in the country. I'm sitting next to like these big D one coaches. Mm-hmm. And I went to my first one in Houston. I'm, I think I pulled up next to the Memphis or, Oh, a youth national team coach was sitting right next to me. And I, <laughs> and I'm like, am I supposed to be here right now? Like, <laughs> like it was like such like it wasn't like a fangirl moment but it was like I'm actually at some point of a level where I'm next to a youth national team coach watching the same girls that he is and we might not get the same girls but just like sitting there next to him and it was really cool because I was at another game and the Memphis associate head coach is sitting there and never met him before never talked to him And I don't know like how it happened, but it's halftime and I'm standing next to my chair and he walks over, he goes, Dakota, right? And I go, I'm like, in my head, I'm like, how do you know my name? (laughs) What in the world? Yeah, he like knew I was from, like I coached at Otterbein. So somehow he knew I coached at Otterbein. Like he must've like, saw like we're all, I don't like, you know, at the tournaments, we all have our logos yeah, on. So undoubtedly, yep. he like looked me up. But the fact that like one, he took the time to look it up, and two, come over and introduce himself was like super cool. And like, and that's how I kind of meet myself, meet other coaches. I kind of like put myself out there at tournaments, even if it's just just to say hi, how you doing, or whatever. I mean, just talking and going to camps and just getting my name out there is something that I'm really trying to do. So how often do you, do you go out recruiting? So what's, what is college recruiting like at the college level? What goes into recruiting? um, Maybe. So like August to November or mid November, we don't really do much outside of, we host an ID camp and then we do like videos and like whoever emails us will like watch their videos or whatever. But once Thanksgiving weekend starts is when the tournaments go. So it's me and the head coach, we kind of split it up. So we're gone between Thanksgiving and maybe like mid December, we're gone every weekend. And then once we get back in January, normally I'm gone or one of us is gone twice in February. And then we kind of one tournament in March and then one tournament in April. And then we kind of try to divvy it up. Those are the big tournaments. And then we try to hit some smaller tournaments, just depending on what our schedule looks like and what the tournaments look like as well. If it's a tournament we believe has enough teams to even look at, um, then we'll go. But it also comes down to like where our hotspots are. So where we get most of our players will tend to hit those areas a little more than areas that we don't get players from. So almost like certain, I'm, I'm assuming probably the Memphis area is something that you guys get a number of your players from? Actually, no. We only oh. have one player on our current roster from Memphis. Huh. And I believe she is the only Tennessee girl as well. We wow. had a Tennessee girl last year, and so we had two, but then the one graduated, so we only have one Tennessee girl. That's really interesting. Really interesting. So a lot of out of state people coming into play. 
Yep. And we kind of come from all over. We have, we have Dallas as a hot spot, Georgia. We have a couple California girls on our team, a New York girl. So we have an Ohio girl actually from the Cincinnati area. So we have girls from like all over the place. It's just Tennessee seems to be a state where everybody wants to go out of town or out of state or, and if they don't go out of state, they want to go to UT uh, Knoxville or you have Vanderbilt. So, and we compete with those team, those schools on an academic level. So maybe they would just go to Vandy or UTK for academics. Right on, right on. Uh, So the, the new, the coach you're with now, so you've gone from, you had the awesome experience of kind of getting just like, here, rock and roll, do some stuff when you're in, uh, where's, where's Liberty? Where, what state's that in? That's in uh, Virginia. It's in Lynchburg, Virginia. Okay. So the Virginia area, and then you headed back to Otterbein in Ohio, and now you're back in, now you're down in Tennessee. So now what's, what, what things does this new coach bring that you enjoy, you know, being in the mix with? So the coach I'm with now is actually a female. So it's the first female coach I've worked with. So she kind of brings a different kind of aspect to the way things are run. Um, A lot of things is they're a lot more personable. Um, So everything we do is person first, relationship first. There's no room for soccer first. It's always person first. And I really like that because that's exactly kind of who I am. I always very much focus a lot of my energy on the person first, because I believe after you know the person, then everything starts clicking a little bit easier. It's easier to coach them. It's easier for them to be your player. It's easier for them to take instruction and kind of, I mean, relationships have always been the core of who I am as a coach. I have players that I coach with, or I have coached even from my U11 years that are still in contact with me. I have players from Randolph who are still in contact with me and just like, and it's nothing serious. It's just like, Hey, how you doing? Like how's life or whatever. And it's just like always random. So it's always cool to kind of continue those relationships like as you go, because it also means that you had some sort of impact on their lives. I mean, to know that they still even want to say hi to me four years, five years later. It's, it's pretty cool. And it means a lot to me that they're going out of their way sometimes just to say, hi, how you doing? And I check on them sometimes, see some of them are in grad school, like, Hey, how's grad school going? Like, if you ever needed like letters of recommendation, just let me know. And just like sort of stuff like that. It's just building the relationships and keeping everything person first down here that really sets this coach apart from everything that I've been at. Not saying the other places haven't been focused on the person, but this lady, Katie, who's the head coach, I'm, I mean, she really puts it at the center of everything and there's no wavering from any of that. So the idea of, of like environment, culture, family, those are things that constantly are just are like a common theme throughout everything that you guys do. Yeah, the family aspect is huge. I mean, it's something you hear from every college coach and it's like, hey, yeah, you got that family environment, you got that family culture. And a lot of times it's true, but 
I always like to think this is the place where I see it the most that I've ever been with. I mean, there's no drama between any of the players. You never have players coming to you saying, hey, like so-and-so's doing this or I didn't get invited to the birthday party, like none of that. And every time you walk around campus, it's not just one player you see, you see six. You don't see like one or two by themselves. You see everywhere you go, you see five or six. And it's just like, and they can't get enough of each other. I mean, they're always around each other, no matter where you go. And to know that they can never get sick of each other is really means something when you kind of put that family aspect into the culture area. The thing that's cool about that is that it's one thing to do it like, oh, we're in the locker room, we're all kumbaya and we'll do all our things. But like you said, to be in those moments where you're just walking a class and they're still connected or if it's at lunch or if it's just hanging out, that's, that bodes huge for what you and the, and the head coach have, have gotten, especially like you said, with the, the way that the world is right now, those little conversations of, or just saying, hey, how are you doing right now? is huge for, you know, the kids that have moved on to grad school. Because like you said, a lot of times people will be, they graduate and then it's like, well, I want to move on to the next group. But it sounds like you, you continue to keep those relationships building. I think it's really, really cool. Yeah. Um, so in terms of, in terms of the, the that family aspect, does, do you, have you seen that have a positive impact on, on the quality of play? Yeah. And I mean, it comes down to the team chemistry too. And I think just because you kind of, the amount of time they spend together off the field also kind of translates on the field because they kind of know how each other think. Mm -hmm. So it's okay. So-and-so thinks this way. So it's going to be this way. Or she might be here for a pass and kind of, it kind of helps the play a little bit more too. So I do believe that it definitely helps to play on the field as well. That's awesome. That is so cool. Um, so when, what, what took you on the route of coaching? Was this something that as a high schooler at DeSales, you said, Hey, I'd love to coach one day, or was it kind of working your way through college and your experience or what was the impetus to send that initial email that said, you know what, I'm going to try to go and coach college. So I actually had no intention of coaching college up until I started coaching college, actually. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's a funny story. So like I started out majoring in business. So I always thought I was going to go into business. My junior year, my coach at Guilford, he goes, Hey guys, like the state of Tennessee is putting on a coaching course. It's like super cheap. So I was like, okay, yeah, I'll take it. I'll maybe coach youth my for a little bit while I'm not working in the business world or whatever, like so many club coaches do nowadays because they all hold like second jobs and like stuff like that. So yeah. I was like, I'll do that. So I ended up getting it. I played, finished out. I had an extra semester of undergrad, so which I didn't have eligibility for. So I kind of like sat there and like watched the team play a little bit and I was like okay maybe I miss it a little bit I'm not sure and then I get done with club I'm getting ready to go to grad school and I just like missed it 
And so it was like, Hey, I'm just going to like, and I emailed the Liberty coaches and I was like, Hey, like you have any room for like a GA or whatever. And like due to NCAA rules, I guess like they had two full-time assistants. So you can't have a GA. So I was like, okay, cool. Like that's fine. So I was like, there's a school right across town. Let me just take a look. And he had two other assistants, but I was like, just going to take a, I'm just going to take a chance anyway. So I like randomly emailed him. And I think within two days I was over there, like just meeting him with my resume and kind of talking about like what he would expect and what I would expect. And it kind of just took off from there. And I wouldn't like, I won't turn back from now on. Like, this is exactly what I want to do. And I feel this is where exactly I need to be. Like, I always talk about purpose in life and purpose on the soccer field purpose in classroom and I believe the purpose that I'm fulfilling right now is helping people like in life really I'm not just a soccer coach I'm a person first and these people go these kids go on to be more than just student athletes they go on to be doctors they go on to be lawyers and everything like that and to help shape their lives in even the littlest bit I feel like that's my purpose and to be able to do it through soccer was going to be the most easiest avenue to do it like you can change people's lives in every aspect in whatever business you're in and you're a teacher you're a bank teller whatever like you can always change somebody's life but to me I really felt like playing soccer my whole life this was exactly where God kind of wanted me to be. It was like, Hey, I want you to change people's lives and you're going to do it through soccer because that's what you know the most. I'm, I'm like speechless. Cause that's so freaking cool. Cause it's like you said it was, it was almost like you were had to kind of follow your heart a little bit when you sent those initial emails. Um, and the fact that, which I think is so cool for people to hear, you sent an initial email to Liberty and it just wouldn't work out. We didn't have a sp- spot. That's fine. And then, but you didn't sit there and go, well, I guess that means I'm not going to coach. You then went and looked at another option and you've kind of kept doing that. And it's gotten to you to where you're at now, which I think so, uh, so stinking cool. And what, what, uh, how was that first coaching class? What was that like going in as a player mindset to all of a sudden now kind of learning some of the coaching things? What was that experience like? Uh, from what I remember it was it was pretty weird like the stuff that they taught you and like the stuff that you wouldn't expect from a coach like you're like as a player you don't think anything of what goes on behind closed doors or what goes through a coach's mind really so it was kind of like an eye-opener I was like oh like I remember the one thing they told us like I've always been my coaches have always used whistles And I remember my E course, it was the old E before they moved to like the new methodology and like the course. And I remember the first thing he told us is we're not going to use whistles. Like that's the worst thing to do as a coach. And I'm sitting there like, (laughs) I whistled my whole entire life. (laughs) I was like, why is this? And he goes, because it brings a negative connotation. So I was like, I guess I could see that a little bit, but it was like, Oh, like wouldn't wasn't expecting that. And actually I've never coached with a whistle in my whole entire seven years of actual coaching. 
which is kind of crazy. I have a whistle if I need one, but I kind of don't use it. It kind of sits in my pocket. I'm similar. I went through a similar court, same thing where I went through my E and such. Um, I use just, I'm the same way, lose a lot of voice type things. And I use the whistle usually just for transitions. Like, Hey, now we're moving on to like, go get a drink. And you've got, you know, mm -hmm. just let them know when they need to, to, to get moving and stuff. But uh, I think the things I keep hearing from you, like from the Otterbein experience to like the, that course to you, you, you've done a great job of kind of pulling bits and pieces. Like even to remember that nugget from whatever, a handful of years ago, and it still resonates with you. Like those are those cool. And like, just like you said, how things went at the male, you know, on that side of things versus how was it female and how now you've taken like the first two experiences and now it's at Rhodes and you're seeing, it sounds like too, just for you, you've got a maturity of kind of like, like you talk about purpose and I've heard, you know, just the whole idea of family and just kind of like what I want to make in terms of impact. I think it's huge. People don't understand how big, like even like you said, when people still that you don't coach after a few years, they'll call you coach. That's okay. the impact that you're making on people. I think it's awesome. Yeah. I mean, then kind of that story is like going back to my U11. I tweeted about it the other day, but it was like the kid quit soccer the year after I stopped coaching him. I moved on to college and he quit because the coach that he had like drove the love of the game out for him. And he was, he's 11 years old at the time. So it was like, okay, the coach, like, I don't like, he doesn't love the game anymore. He texted me the other day or his mom texted me. And then he texted me and was like, Hey, just to let you know, I'm trying out for like, he's a sophomore in high school now, which is insane to even think. Of. But yeah. he was like, yeah, trying out for my high school team. And the next day he's texted me and said, Hey, I made JV like, super excited and he was like the coach said I could possibly play varsity sometimes this year and I was like I was super happy because those are the things that like the fact that he quit the game and then came back to it was like I love seeing that because like and that happens so often within this career in this world is like one person can like change everything for you it can take complete love out of it for you and no matter what it is either it could be any sports it could be music it could be reading it could be whatever that you love doing one person can say something negative and kind of drive it away from you and you might never pick up a soccer ball again or you might never pick up your clarinet again or whatever it is that you love to do you might never do it again just because somebody said a couple things and it's crazy how we have that happening so often in this world yeah it's it i think people your perspective is spot on versus some people are so results oriented and so like and you like you said at age of 11 like take a chill pill coach um with that but i think the cool thing is what you're saying and then now what you have as a head coach seems to just like fits meshes perfectly with how you like to, to like your outlook of like here's the impact we want to make on kids and what have you yeah, and uh, I mean, we had our first team meeting today, and I've been doing a lot of self-reflecting. I've had so much time, like, through COVID and quarantine, just like everybody has. And one of the things I went to the team today, and this is something I've never done before. Like, I always just try to learn on the fly. But I went to my team. I was like, I'm going to do something different this year. I want everybody to email me how best I can coach you. 
So instead of me just coaching them the way I think they want to be coached or the way I think they're going to get the most out of it, I would told them to email me like one or two sentences. It doesn't even have to be long. It could be as easy as, yeah, I like to be coached just by you cheering me on the whole time. I like always positive reinforcement. Like I don't like coaches who get stern with me. And that's kind of something where like, it's going to happen. Like I'm wanting to cater to them. I want it to be a player centered environment. I'm working to bring a more player centered environment instead of like a coaching environment. A lot of things that I'm going to be doing different this year is going to come from that. It's so, cause again, like coaches and I've done it too. I breaking down film, I can sit there and be like, Hey, you should have passed here or you should have passed there. But at the same time, I want my players to be very creative with the ball. I want them to do what they want to do. I want to see them kind of express themselves on the field. And if I'm sitting there going, hey, you should have passed here or passed there or shoot here. I mean, they're never going to be able to reach their full potential, one, as an individual player, but two, as a team as well, because there's no expression. Everything's okay. It's like military. It's like you do this, you do that, and you can't really express so I'm going to, I'm doing a lot of things. I'm going to experiment a little bit this spring. And I think the time that I will have with the team and the fact that we have less games than before, I think hopefully it's going to pay off in the long run for a lot of these girls. I think it's cool that you're, like you said, I think you're recognizing even for yourself and from like just the experiences that every player has a different kind of makeup. They bring something different to the field different qualities some are you know some are talkers some are quiet um and the fact that you're recognizing that i can't coach every player out there the same way so i think it's cool that you're actually coming to them and saying look i'm i want to support you in the best way i can so give me some some ideas as to what can i do that's going to help you be the best version of yourself on and off the soccer field which i think is huge like you said i don't think coaches we get so top level, top ended, like, Hey, I'm looking down and take care of everything. And I think it's cool for you to kind of, like you said, it's got a little uncomfortable, but something different. And, you know, it might be, it might be cool, might not be. Uh, but I think it's cool that you at least get there and you get, and then there's that idea, the family thing that you talked about earlier. Now they've got some ownership in their um, development, uh, and plus you can keep checking in like, Hey, is the support I'm giving you enough? Or did I come down on you too hard? You said you'd like to be kind of like kept accountable. And is that too much? Not enough. I think that's will be interesting. I will, I'll be excited to check in during the spring uh, and see how, how that, that dynamics working. Cause that might be something I steal and start doing with my high school group. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and that's exactly what coaches like the coaching community is, is I can share something and it, might work for me, but it might not work for somebody else. But at the same time, I could share something that somebody else has never tried. And it could be the best thing that they ever tried after it, but they wouldn't have known or if I never shared or something like that. I think a lot of the coaching, and that's one thing I have learned about the coaching community is it's not the most open, but it is very open. Like everybody's always willing to share their experiences or their like different things that they've tried for others to try. And I mean, I take stuff from Twitter, what other people are doing all the time and try it. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but 
I always love hearing what other people are doing and kind of seeing if it works for me because I'll never know if I don't try it. Right on, right on. Hey, I just so I mentioned before we hopped on here, all those scarves behind you. So is there is are those just things that people have sent you or have you actually been and watched like Leeds United? I see an England one and Real Madrid. Are those have you been and seen some of those teams play? So a few of them have. Um, a few of them I have, a few of them I haven't. Um, I've seen Manchester United. I went to Boxing Day 2016 against Sunderland, um, which was really cool. I mean, me and my mom, we, it was, the story behind that is it's absolutely crazy. But I've seen um, Memphis FC. I've seen Columbus. I've been to the Bernabeu and um, Camp New, um, Crystal Palace, I had a friend grab for me. And then I also did a little bit of podcasting back at the beginning of uh, COVID when COVID first hit back in like from March to maybe June. Um, and then so I got the Forward Madison and the San Antonio FC. I got those because we interviewed a couple players from both of those teams on that podcast I was on. So just kind of like different things. I have family over in England. So it kind of, I have that kind of representing that side of the family. So it's kind of, they're kind of from all over the place and they all come from different places. I think the cool thing about that is, uh, and I can already tell just from you talking about it is each scarf has its own little story with it, which I think is really, really freaking cool. So as your wall keeps growing, as you have more experiences coaching and maybe Rhodes goes on a European tour at some point, uh, like in an off season thing when things are back to normal um, and what have you, but just those experiences. So the Manchester United, just what was the energy like in, in that stadium? What was that again? I'm sorry. Uh, what was the energy like when at the Manchester United game? in that stadium oh um i mean it was it was unreal i mean me so me and my mom we got like tickets in like the northern end of stretford end so right behind the goal the singing section and all that and they were playing the coach at the time at sunderland was david moyes which was a couple years after a year or two after he left uh united because it was i believe it was ancelot no van gaal I believe was the coach at United at the time. So it was like the energy was crazy. I remember this one time like, and you don't think about it. I said like Michael Carrick gave away the ball one time. And I was like, Michael Carrick, you're like, I was like, you suck or something like that. And like <laughs> over here, it's good. It's just a knee jerk reaction. Like, okay, yeah. he doesn't suck, but he gave away the ball. So he sucks in that moment. And I remember turning around and some guy yells at me, he goes, you never say that about Michael Carrick and like started getting really mad at me. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Like I didn't mean, I didn't mean he like sucks permanently, but like, he did get commentating. Yeah. So it was like, it was, it was funny. And all the same, like just the whole energy. And it was, we got there a little late too. I think we got there like 30 seconds after the kickoff whistle. But so we didn't get like the build up and everything like that. But I mean, it was absolutely insane. And then just the scenes afterwards outside of the stadium and everything, it was, it was unbelievable. It's definitely something that I 
suggest to everybody if it ever becomes an opportunity to see a Boxing Day game anywhere. Um, but it's it was unbelievable. That is so stinking cool. Man, you have dropped so much like knowledge in this one. It's been so cool to hear kind of your journey. If people want to follow and connect with you, what's some of the best ways to do that? Yeah, so um, I'm mainly on Twitter. Uh, Twitter is going to be my biggest one. I think it's Coach Rock, R-H-O. Um, but that's going to be the biggest one for me. I mean, I get on, I have Instagram, but it's kind of like, I don't really use it. Um, so Twitter's most likely going to be the best one for me. It's the same with Facebook. I don't really use Facebook. Like I have them, but I really don't use them. So anybody wants to follow me, it's going to be the best avenue is going to be Twitter. And don't, I mean, they can reach out, feel free to reach out. If you have any questions, I'm, I love talking to people. I love sharing my journey. And I thought that was like the coolest thing. And that's why I jumped at this opportunity is because I love sharing because you don't know what somebody else can take from this journey that I have because it might be somebody who's like hesitating whether if they want to get into coaching or not and maybe my story is the one that pushes them to send an email because of how lucky I've been maybe maybe that's the one I don't know but anything but yeah it's going to be coach rock um R-O-C-K and then R-H-O and I will put um, I mean, I'll tag him on Twitter when I uh, post the episode and I'll put it in the, the notes and all that kind of stuff. So, um, and I would go out and follow cause he's got just lots of great ideas he's sharing out there on Twitter. Um, and just, like I said, his journey has been so cool. The cool thing about the podcast is you can only get so much out of 140 characters on Twitter about people. So now to put kind of this, like, I see this in my head, I can see you going from columbus in high school to moving and then ending up at liberty and then or you know all the bouncing and back to otterbein and now back down to memphis is so freaking cool and then within that all the scarves behind you just is another thing that's kind of interwoven um and what have you so i'll shut this thing down hey this is karen coach's corner chats and i'm out peace A big shout out to King and Fifth for hooking me up with the AmRap beanie. Check them out at kingandfifth.com.